the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Opinions expressed in the following program may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Keep on Life in Colorado. Hello and welcome. I'm Maria Oliver. May is Mental Health Month. The goal is to raise awareness and reduce stigmas. According to Mental Health America, more than 43 million Americans cope with mental illness every day. In 2017, almost 800,000 Coloradans reported having some form of mental illness. Today, we're joined by Joanne Tony. She's the Director of Housing for Mental Health Center of Colorado. Hello, Joanne. You're probably really busy. Thank you so much for taking time to join us. I am. Thank you. Uh, Why is Mental Health Awareness Month important, and when was it established? So um, Mental Health Awareness Month, um, it has been observed in May in the United States since 1949 by Mental Health America, and this is our 70th year in celebrating the Mental Health Month. Um, it's important, um, I think, to demystify um, mental illness, provide support, um, education to the public, advocate for policies, and support for people with mental illness and their families. Um, because we know that one in five adults um, experience a mental illness, um, that uh, Suicide is the third leading cause of death in youth ages 10 to 24. Mental health is something that everyone um, should, um, and wellness, mental health, wellness, all of us should be taking seriously and and thinking about. And how are you affiliated with the the efforts toward good mental health? What, What organization are you involved with? I work at the Mental Health Center of Denver, um, I've worked here for 33 years. I hate to say that out loud, but it's true. Um, and um, I still enjoy very much um, my job, the people we serve, and um, what we do here. And why is this issue, I mean, of course, 30 years of service, that's one thing, but, but why have you decided to dedicate your life to this cause? And it, it is a cause. It is a, a calling, definitely. Why have you decided to step up? Well, I think um, part of um, well-being is um, giving to others, um, being, you know, um, appreciating what we have in life, being gracious, and um, the people we serve are incredibly resilient, wonderful people who, um, once they get their feet on the ground, they get homed, um, they get the kind of help they need, um, just make incredible strides. And, of course, we all like to see people doing better in life. 
Now, I, I know that uh, you're affiliated with the Mental Health Center of Denver, and I've heard that they work in tandem with the city of Denver to help uh, address homelessness and, and mental health issues among the homeless. Is that true? Um, we work a lot with the, the city of Denver. Um, we appreciate the city's um, ability to work with us, and we appreciate um, the opportunity to work together to work on some incredibly important issues. Some of the ways we do it are the Mental Health Center of Denver has a piece of the social impact bond team, which provides housing to the most in need in Denver. For those highest utilizers of the jail system, the detox system, and um, emergency room beds. So those most in need are randomized into services, and we get their name and go out and look for them on the street and invite them in to housing and into services. So that's one piece. We have our co-responder team that license clinicians right along with some of the police officers in hopes to respond and assist in those responses to people who are needing a little um, more support around behavioral health and mental illness types of issues. We're working on putting together the Solution Center, which is going to be a drop-off center for first responders. We're working with that. Also with that, um, with the city, it should be open, we hope, in, in just about one year from now. So those are just a few things I can think of. Okay. Now, I'm told that your specialty, well, one of your specialties, <laughs> is actually housing. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how housing and mental health are linked? So it is really hard to think about anything but just survival if you don't have a home. So once you get a home, um, housing, you can begin to think about all the other things in life that need just a little bit of work. And so we know we use the Housing First model here, which is an evidence-based practice of offering housing to people just the way they are, just the way they present. The Social Impact Bond team is actually um, an example of that. Those individuals we bring in off the street, there's not a lot of rules about how they can get into housing. And once once we get individuals homed, um, then we can start just really working with trying to find something that interests people, something useful and meaningful for people to do during the day, building communities, supports around that individual. Um, If they need to have more than case management, we can infuse some individual therapy. We can do group therapy, whatever that individual needs to begin the recovery, reconnecting with family members, all those things. But you have to have a place to live before you can kind of settle down and do all those other things that are necessary for well-being. So would you say that uh, homelessness can contribute to the deterioration of mental health or, or, 
or is it an opposite, or is it just kind of a, a secular thing where, where one can, can feed the other? Homelessness can feed mental anxiety. Mental anxiety can increase your probability of homelessness. How, are those things in tandem, or, or how do they work? I think it can be probably uh, um, sometimes in tandem, sometimes being homeless can certainly um, make one's feeling of being safe, comfortable, secure, getting what you need, trusting, um, building a trusting relationship with people. Being homeless, unhomed, contributes to all of that. However, um, I, I think that a lot of times, you know, it's not easy coming inside either because sometimes when you've had a really tough go of it, it's really hard to get inside and then begin looking at the other things in your life that might have gotten you in that tough situation in the beginning um, and really um, get down to the nuts and bolts and trusting people that they have your best interest at heart, you know, but that might not be your experience in life. On the flip side, uh, what is the Dahlia Campus for Health and Well-Being? Oh, that's a beautiful campus. Um, the Dahlia Campus is a new approach to the community um, well-being, and it provides whole-person care for mind, body, and community. It is a result of listening to the community um, to identify what they need to improve their health and well-being. So some of that was listening to the fact that um, in this neighborhood, it was considered a food desert. In other words, there were no grocery stores that were near. So some of those services that we offer there are mental health um, services, therapy services for the whole family, dental clinic, an inclusive preschool, exercise, cooking classes, and there's community spaces for neighbors to connect there. Delia Campus includes a one-acre urban farm, um, and we have an aquaponic um, greenhouse to provide fresh produce and fish to the community. There's a farmer's market that's held each summer um, their food back boxes are available for purchase, and they're filled with a lot of fresh greens and produce. And there's also a food ban- a pantry there as well. And I do mean a lot of greens are in those food boxes. I've gotten a few. They're even hard to eat in a week. <laughs> so basically feeding the body and feeding the mind. Exactly. Okay. We all are one, right? Our bodies connected with our minds. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah. and where can people go to get more information about Dahlia Campus? So there is um, the Mental Health Center of Denver has a website. Um, it's the Mental Health Center of Denver.org. And you can go to that website, and there's all sorts of links there. And one of them is to the Dahlia Campus. Now, uh, keeping in mind that, you know, we don't live in a time of of gumdrops and rainbows, obviously. Um, There's always going to be a cloud. I mean, that's just the way it kind of is. But what is the definition of good mental health, considering that there are always going to be external factors, homelessness, money problems, health problems, family problems, political problems, whatever, however you want to look at things? 
what is the definition of good mental health in these trying times? So a definition of good mental health, I think mental health is something that that we all have, obviously. We want to be connected. Maybe it's with um, worship. Maybe it's with um, friends. Maybe it's with family. We want to know how we're going to be safe, how we're going to be supported. We want to have safety in our lives. We want to be able to give back to the community. It's a an opportunity to feel gratitude for what we have. That would be what good mental health would look like. So good mental health would look like um, feeling connected, feeling spiritually fulfilled, having friends, having family, um, feeling safe. And for yeah. some people, uh, you know, giving back, contributing more to the whole. Uh, those are some of the components of good mental health. Yeah, and having something useful and meaningful to do every day that we enjoy. And, and that brings up a good point. How do we get there? <laughs> How do we get to good mental health considering just all the different external elements and all the noise that we all have to exist in these days? How do we get to a point of good mental health? Well, I think we get there um, with, with intentional work, all of us. And that means that we have to practice good self-care, which means that mind and body, um, having good nutrition, exercising, doing something we enjoy. If it's pets, have our, have our, have our dog or a cat or a bird or something that will give us joy. Um, Gratitude, um, meditation, being mindful, getting enough sleep. I know uh, that's not something that's even, you know, it seems easy, but it's not something I I, um, think that we take enough. um, We take that for granted sometimes. We all need eight hours of sleep to be our best. We need to exercise. We need um, kindness and social connections giving to others, ability to, I think, receive help, ask for help when we need it, mm. all those things. Let's see. What if you, you know someone who's in distress? And I don't mean just somebody's just having a bad day. We've all woke up and it's like, oh, this is the worst day ever. But I mean someone who is a family member or a friend who you know, who you've seen a change in over time, and you see that maybe they're – they're in a bit of a slump or a bit of a rut or maybe even on the other end, they're just extremely manic. What do you do when you see a friend or a family member who's in distress? What should you do? The first thing you should do, I think, is ask them, what can I do for you? How, how can I help you? What's going on? What has happened? And we have in, in the Denver, in Colorado, We're lucky enough to have um, some crisis services um, that are open 24-7 that um, you can call for support. You can call 1-844-493-8255, 24-7, and they can um, assist anybody. Um, There's text to talk at 38255 if people aren't. Um, feeling comfortable to make the phone call. Um, And we can call, too. Um, If we're worried about someone, we can call and get support and 
sort of talk to somebody to figure out whether this is something we really should be worrying about. Am I worrying too much? How, what kind of things can I do? How can I get people connected? There are walk-in centers where people can just walk in and um, speak to someone. That phone number can help you get to places. There's also a link on um, the Mental Health Centers of Denver's website to those. The website for them, there's six locations in the Denver metro area, and it's www.coloradocrisisservices.org. And they, that's where all of the locations are. There's all sorts of things that we can do. We can offer to drive people. If you don't have the ability to drive in this day and age, we have Lyft and Uber, right? Mm-hmm. We can hop on the RTD with them. They're um, oftentimes along bus lines. There's all sorts of stuff we can do. Uh, there's another thing that I was advised that you have a little bit of a specialty in, trauma-informed care. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about what that is? I've never heard that expression before. So trauma-informed care is just um, your ability to sort of understand um, why people are who they are. It's about relationships. It's about how you connect with people. All of us have life experience, right? Some of it's been good, some of it's been bad, and it's pretty hard to kind of live life every day without things going wrong here or there. And depending on how bad they've been, sometimes we develop certain behaviors, if you would, um, certain ways of handling um, how we communicate, all of those things are affected um, by our life experience. And so if we practice really good trauma-informed care, we're going to um, practice universal precautions, and we're going to assume everyone we come into contact with every day has experienced trauma. So we're going to do our best not to re-traumatize people or to make them defensive. We're going to try to align with people, figure out really what has happened, what do you need, how can I help you, how can I assist you today. And by doing that, we don't have people feel like they've got to protect themselves, um, feel afraid of us, because one in five child in the United States is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And since we know that, we know that there are a lot of people who may have been, may have experienced not everyone having their best interests at heart. So we um, practice that every single day, um, and we just keep working on our programming, our greeting, um, our building space, all of it to be the best we can be, because we know that we have a better opportunity then to serve those that come in here. We're now applying it to our spaces. We've just built, um, our new apartment building has been open about a year and a half now. It's called Sanderson, and we built it to trauma-informed design. So we knew we were going to put people who um, had experienced lots of years of homelessness in there, so we used colors of outside, we used wide hallways, we used light in it, 
It's seemingly barrierless, but it does have some safety barriers. We put in place for outside and inside sanctuary space for individuals. And we feel like the building then will help mitigate people's anxieties and stress. And we'll do some of that beginning work for us so that we can begin to really work towards having really good, healthy relationships with individuals so that we can serve them. So a controlled external environment to help feed mental health. Is that correct? Or To help people feel safe and comfortable in an inside space. So even if if I lived in an apartment building, I would. those big wide hallways are great because you can see from one end to the other. So, you know, if you've had life experience that um, maybe sometimes there were not unsafe other people in the hallways or mm-hmm. you like to know who's in the hallway when you go down there, you can see all the way to the, to the end. Okay. Now, what is mental health first aid? What is that? Mental health first aid is just an opportunity for um, for adults um, to learn. Um, it's an eight-hour training class, um, and it's an overview of what mental illness is, what substance use disorders are. Um, I, people, um, participants learn how to identify signs and symptoms provide resources, um, acknowledge to connect to someone in a crisis um, at the appropriate support. Like traditional first aid, mental health first aid is designed to equip community members with skills to help someone that's in need of um, some mental health services. They might be in crisis. Um, There's also um, training for youth, um, trainings or for both youth and adults. We offer them a couple of times a month here. There's also a website, www.mhcd.org slash mental health first aid. Okay. So uh, basically a toolkit, uh, resources, information, just a, mm-hmm. a, a kit that you can pull from to help service your community or your family or friends. Yes. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Awesome. That's lovely. Okay, uh, Ms. Tony, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Um, Are there any events or or workshops or anything that anyone can maybe participate in this summer? You can always be joined to um, NAMI, which is the National Alliance for Mental Illness. They meet all the time, provide support, education. Um, They have um, a website that you can connect there. There's workshops. There's housing workshops that happen occasionally. There's um, all sorts of providers um, out in the community. You can call your mental health centers themselves. Alrighty, uh, Ms. Joanne, we've been talking about the resources that are available. We've been talking about websites that are available. We've been talking about the incredible work that Mental Health Center of Denver has been doing. But are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the listeners with about mental health or homelessness or, or getting help or help that's available? So there's um, health, help is always available, either through our crisis Um, services or a phone call to your community mental health center. Nothing is ever um, too big 
um, to ask for help for, for. There always is someone there that would be willing to help. And we um, really embrace the opportunity to serve people and also really talk about how mental illness or behavioral health disorders are something that a number of people live with every single day and do a wonderful job in working on their recovery. But there are also those individuals that at times just need a hand extended to them to be invited into to, um, services, to maybe even have a, a neighbor, a friend, help them get engaged with services. We all need support from the community in order to experience our full well-being in life. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Ms. Doran. We appreciate you taking time to sit down and talk with us. All right. Thank you. I guess you wonder where I've been. I search to find the love within. to Joanne Tony for joining us. For more information and resources, visit their website, mhcd.org. That's mhcd.org. I'm Maria Oliver, and this is Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.